understanding that, you know, it might take a little more work up front, but it's going to reap uh, tremendous benefits in the long run. And just knowing even uh, that there are, you know, literally thousands and thousands of plant foods, there's not one specific food you should be eating as a vegan. Like, you don't need to eat kale if you're a vegan. It's, it's a great food. It's healthy food. Um, but you don't need to eat it. You don't need to eat certain foods to quote unquote be vegan, right? You can experiment and try different things. And there are so many different types of eating even as a vegan. So you don't need to feel like you need to be like cornered or boxed in with, with vegan food, especially this day and age. I mean, there's so much out there. Um, healthy, unhealthy options of everything. My name is Leif Arneson. My brother Anders and I are on a mission to help 1 million vegans get into the best shape of their lives. We firmly believe that the more healthy and fit vegans there are in the world, the faster veganism will spread. Let's work together to inspire change, spread compassion, and challenge the status quo. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. Hey, what's going on? My name is Leif Arneson, and I'm joined by Coach Michael today. So this is Michael's first time on the podcast, and it's really awesome to have you here. I appreciate being here, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. So uh, why don't you give a little background about kind of how long you've been coaching, how long you've been on the team, and uh, what, what are we going to be talking about today? Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been coaching for about the last three years. Um, I've been vegan since 2017 and most of my specialty kind of relates a lot to this podcast. Uh, it's going to be nutrition and just transitioning tips because, uh, these were things that I wish I had known when I had transitioned from, uh, a more, more vegetarian lifestyle, I guess, to, to a vegan lifestyle. Um, but yeah, as in terms of training and, and, uh, that realm, I really am into calisthenics, bodybuilding, a little bit of powerlifting here and there. Um, but yeah, I just love a whole encompassing approach of nutrition and uh, and training. Cool. Yeah, I love having just a diverse set of interests when it comes to fitness. It's nice, at least for me, to change it up. And I like having being able to do a bunch of different things. So I know that's something that you're passionate about, too. Totally. Yeah. I think just being flexible is super important. I mean, we saw, especially over the pandemic, like having that flexibility within your training is, is crucial at this stage. Um, so yeah, being able to go into the gym and lift some heavy weights and then be able to take some Olympic rings and throw them over a set of monkey bars at, at a park and being able to do some calisthenics work there, um, is really, really fun and keeps things fresh too. Cool. I don't, I don't think you mentioned this. How long have you been on the team? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I've been on the team since 2021 and I believe it was actually the beginning of August. So almost two yeah. years now. Yeah. Coming up on two years on the vegan gym team and you just been crushing on all levels. So I look forward to having you starting to share more of your kind of experience and, and knowledge with, uh, with our audience here. So all right, with that, let's dive in. Uh, so we're talking about nutrition tips for new vegans. So I know you have a bunch of tips. Let's just roll with number one and uh, share some value. Absolutely, man. So yeah, the number one tip, and this is probably what I would consider to be one of the most important ones, is realizing that you can do it at your own pace. Um, consider you know doing it in a way that keeps things fairly similar to the way you currently are eating. So, you know, even if you're on a health kick and you're going vegan because you want to get super healthy and completely overhaul your diet, this all-in approach 
can be a, a really tricky way to do it. Um, so, you know, if you've been used to eating French fries, deep fried chicken, burgers, whatever, your palate is likely very overstimulated and not going to be receptive to more quote unquote like plain foods. So for example, eating a salad for dinner, you know, instead of having some salty French fries or high fat burgers, just won't, you know, just won't feel as satisfying uh, or tasty for you at the beginning, which can lead to diverging or going off track pretty quickly. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. We'll probably get into this in a little bit more detail, but it's really interesting how your tastes can change over time, how your taste preferences can change. And when I, when I first went vegan, I actually did do it overnight and I had like eggs and chicken and steak the day before. And then it was just boop, cold tofu went a hundred percent plant-based. And I guess I wasn't technically vegan at that point because I wasn't, I wasn't following a, an actual vegan lifestyle. I was doing it all for health. And then I watched earthlings a few months later and that, that put me on the, the vegan path, but it's, yeah, when I first went vegan, I was eating tons of fruits and vegetables and I didn't really know what I was doing with my nutrition. I just knew, oh, all this stuff is healthy. And it was pretty challenging for me to, it wasn't super challenging for me to do that from a kind of mental perspective because I knew that I wanted to be healthier and I had just gone through a traumatic experience with being diagnosed with cancer. So that that made it really easy to just say, you know what, I don't care about my taste. But if I'm being honest, I wasn't really eating food that I thought was tasty. <laughs> it was just out of, I was eating food for the nutrients and that was it. So I think... Yeah, most people are not going plant-based after a, a serious disease diagnosis. So it is really important for you to maybe do that in a little bit of a different way. Because if I don't have a, a really solid reason for making that transition, if I didn't just have a major disease diagnosis, then... I don't really have the same level of willpower. So if I'm going straight from what I consider to be really delicious, quote unquote, clean foods to like straight fruits and veggies, most of them were raw. That would, that would be a difficult transition if I didn't have a burning reason why I needed to do that. Yeah. So just, uh, just kind of my, my perspective, you yeah. said you were, I know you were basically, were you hundred percent vegetarian before going vegan or so, what yeah, was that transition like for you? It, it was a, it was a transition. Um, it was interesting. You mentioned that and I can totally confirm that. Like I kind of did the overnight thing as well. Uh, and this is why I put this tip as number one, because I don't think it is the, um, I think transitioning to vegan overnight can be done, but I think if you do it in the right way, it's going to be easier than if you just did. Like for me, I was doing something similar the day before I was eating eggs, um, chicken, um, you know, just the regular standard American diet. And then the next day I was eating spinach with a can of lentils on top and tomatoes. Like that was literally my dinner. Yeah. I have pictures of it. It looks ridiculous. Um, especially looking at it now, but yeah, 
I think like for me, I was vegetarian basically my whole life um, from the time as early as I can remember until I was, I guess, about around 22, 23 years old. Um, then I started getting a little more into bodybuilding, understanding um, the culture there, I guess, and reading forums, magazines. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I guess you need meat and dairy or well, more so specifically meat to to build muscle. So that was I thought that was my issue because I was like kind of spinning my wheels in the, in the dirt a lot. Um, that was obviously not the case, but I kind of forced myself to start eating those foods did not like them. Um, I slowly, I guess, over time developed like at least a like for them. I wouldn't say I loved any of it, um, but I slowly started to migrate back more and more toward vegetarianism before I went vegan. So I would still have considered myself an omnivore before uh, going full vegan, but it was this, it wasn't for me like I was doing it for a love of the food. It was just like, oh, I'm just going to do this because I think it's what I need for results. So yeah, um, I didn't follow this tip um, because I didn't really know about this. Um, but I, looking back, I know it would have been easier on me to transition in that slower, uh, not in a slower pace, but incorporating more foods. Like instead of having, you know, a chicken burger and deep fried French fries one night and then a salad the next, maybe having a Beyond Burger and like air fried potatoes the next day rather than just going salads. Yeah. So, so to summarize, you can transition to vegan overnight or plant-based overnight if you're on your path to going vegan, but don't necessarily totally change the kinds of foods that you're eating. Just start swapping out a a beef burger with a Beyond Burger, as you said. So kind of just making that transition that way. I think that's a really great tip. All right. So uh, yeah, what's uh, what's the next tip for new vegans? So tip number two ties in with the latter part of tip number one. And I think this is where a lot of people, especially in the fitness scene, um, have concerns about transitioning to a vegan diet. And this is the question of, quote, but how will I get enough protein on a vegan diet? Close quote. Um, many people believe that plants simply do not have any protein whatsoever. And that is so far from the truth. Um Basically, every food, uh, or at least every whole food, has protein. So the protein amount simply varies between foods, as it does with fat and carbohydrates. Um, so the reality is, if you eat, and this is a, a bolded asterisk um, word here, enough calories, keyword being enough, um, through a variety of whole foods, you'll get enough protein. So you know, if you include fruits, veggies, nuts, grains, legumes, uh, whole grains, you will get enough protein. Um, the main issue with any lack of protein in a vegan diet simply comes from not eating enough calories. And, you know, most people are used to consuming these hypocaloric processed foods that are just packed with calories in a small serving size. Uh, plant foods are typically the opposite of that. So, you know, you'll need to load up on more volume of food, uh, which as I believe is a huge bonus. You get to eat more. I like eating more. Um, so <laughs> most people like eating more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's one thing I always bring to, to people I work with is like, you're going to likely be eating a lot more food, um, which is a really positive thing. Um, but that same amount of food you will need to hit the same calories that you're used to, uh, from the other more processed foods that you might've been used to eating before. 
Yeah, that's a great tip. And it all comes back to calorie density, which is something that we talk a lot about on the podcast. So just being mindful of the fact that plant foods generally have lower caloric densities than animal-based foods. So if you, when you're transitioning from a, a, an omnivorous diet to a plant-based slash vegan diet, you are going to be likely needing to consume more total food volume to hit the same number of calories. And it's really important that you, I would recommend that if you are transitioning and you're really kind of conscious of your, I I guess probably for anyone, you should track your calories through that process. Just generally, you don't need to track it super specifically, but just having an understanding of generally how much you are eating is really important. I think lots of people who go plant-based and then they say, oh, I can't maintain this, or you hear all there, you hear all these people who say, hey, I tried going vegan and I couldn't do it because I was feeling tired or I wasn't able to sustain it or whatever they they insert there it pretty much always comes down to they were not consuming enough calories and that's because they were they didn't they weren't mindful of the amount of calories that they were consuming during that switch so yeah if you go from eating those really high density calorie dense foods that you were talking about loaded with oil, sugar, all these kind of animal-based products to salads or whatever you start incorporating more of, yeah, you're going to need to eat a considerable, uh, considerably more to hit that calorie target. And also understanding how to add some higher calorie plant foods to your diet. So I am, I'm really kind of averse to adding things like oil. So I wouldn't recommend that you try to load up on calories with ultra processed, high calorie density foods like oils, but you can uh, add things like potatoes and, and oats and rice and all of these whole foods that are pretty calorie dense, at least in, uh, at least with respect to, let's say a salad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the interesting thing is, you know, um, if we're just talking about health here, most people don't need nearly as much protein as they think for optimal health. So um, general recommendations for someone just concerned of living a healthy lifestyle is something like 0.36 to 0.4 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So that means, you know, 180 pound male would only need something like 65 grams of protein per day, 140 pound female, you know, about 50 grams of protein per day. Um, but the interesting thing is with things like, you know, game changers, some of these documentaries that are showing athletes, we know as athletes, generally we need higher protein amounts too. So, you know, being okay with adding things like some protein powder, just like, you know, um, most of the supplement shelves are filled with dairy based protein powders. So we know all types of athletes take protein powders, not just, you know, not just vegan. So being okay with adding like those higher protein maybe even slightly more processed foods, um, not only to boost calories, but to boost protein is a really, um, really healthy way to think of it too, especially if you're an athlete. Yeah, great. So some summary points from everything you've said regarding protein. All plants contain protein. 
And you can certainly, con everyone who consumes a calorically sufficient diet, in other words, you are consuming enough calories for what your body needs on a daily basis, you are going to be getting enough protein, period, for your health and overall kind of bodily functions. But beyond that, athletes need to consume more protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, continue building muscle and strength, and just rebuilding your muscle fibers after you go out and train. So yeah, you should be consuming more protein. We actually have a nutrition calculator on our website if you are interested in checking that out to get specific numbers for you. Uh, that's just the vegangym.com and you can click on the calculator. But it's really, I, I do focus more on some higher quality protein foods, uh, foods that contain a higher percentage of protein and also have a little bit more of a advantageous amino acid profile for, for supporting muscle growth. So things like soy uh, is really good. I've been actually getting into a major soy curl kick nice. over over the last couple months, I've just been experimenting with some recipes, but I eat uh, a bunch of tofu, soy curls, other soy products. And I also will generally have a serving of protein powder every day. And that's also a really high quality protein source. And there are a bunch of other things like black beans. I love uh, lentils. You mentioned those earlier. Um, do you still eat lentils after trying them for the first time out of, out of a can it was yeah it was literally just pre-cooked lentils in like liquid i wouldn't even dump the liquid sometimes. Yeah. i would just dump it um right on top so i i've been eating more of them recently i've been making yeah. some cool recipes with them too just like blending them up and making um like wraps or pita breads with them which is really easy um so i've gotten back into them but it took cool. a while yeah <laughs> that first experience kind of burned you for a it, little bit it did it did yeah. i needed i needed some time yeah, that's funny. The first the first time I tried tofu was directly out of a package. <laughs> like I just ate it raw out of a package, and I thought I hate tofu. I'm never going to eat this again. And it took me a little bit, but then I started experimenting with it and actually cooking it, which I highly recommend. Uh, eating it raw is not uh, not great in my opinion. So okay, cool, uh, great tip. You can get enough protein on a vegan diet, but you just need to be conscious of how many calories you're consuming and making sure that you are hitting your energy needs in the form of calories and also your protein needs as you make that transition. So tracking throughout that transition, at least roughly tracking can be really helpful. All right, let's uh, jump to tip number three. All right. Yeah. So tip number three is making sure that you get the right supplements. And this is another one that I believe throws people off uh, when they're transitioning or when they hear the word vegan. Uh, they automatically think we have to be taking or vegans had to be taking a ton of supplements um, to meet nutritional goals and micronutrient goals, which simply isn't true. Uh, there are a couple of supplements or a couple of uh, things that you might want to consider taking, but I know you guys just did a video too where you hit all of your nutritional needs on a vegan diet, obviously, without taking any supplements. Uh, so especially with fortified foods today, like things like soy milks, um, you know, mock meats, um, even like, you know, uh, fortified tofus and things. Now, you can generally get a lot of this stuff without actually needing to supplement with like pills or sprays or anything. But a couple that I would 
definitely recommend. Uh, and again, these aren't ones that I would be like, if you're considering going vegan tomorrow or today, like rushing to the grocery store to buy these or the supplement store to buy these because once you go vegan tomorrow, you're going to be automatically deficient. Like that's not how it works. Um, but some to consider would be just things like vitamin B12. B12 is perhaps, you know, the most crucial. Um, and I use crucial kind of a little more lightly here because again, not things you need to be concerned about just rushing out and buying right away. Um, but B12 is super easy to find in stores. It's super inexpensive. Um, you only need to take about 2,500 micrograms a week to stay on top of it. And most of the sprays and little tablets, sublingual tablets that you can find are about 1,000 micrograms, maybe even up to 2,500, uh, depending on what you buy. So it just means like one to two little spritz of, of the spray a week or one to two little tablets a week. Um, and it just keeps you on top of the game. And I mean, this is not, as we know, a vegan specific issue of being B12 deficient. Uh, a lot of omnivores, vegetarians, whatever, are in the same boat and are recommended to take B12 anyway. Um, so yeah, it's super simple, super cheap. And the same can be said with the other one I mentioned, vitamin D uh, as well, just because it is the sunlight vitamin. We get it or, you know, omnivores would get it secondhand from like meat and dairy products. But uh, so as a vegan, I think one of the only main sources are mushrooms. But again, you're not getting a whole ton of vitamin D there. So, you know, especially if you live in a northern climate or you don't see the sun a lot because of, of work or whatever, uh, just taking a, a vitamin D a couple times a week, even especially in the winter months, uh, depending on the dosage, is a really safe bet. And again, very inexpensive, very easy to do. And um, yeah, it can be a super helpful, super helpful addition to the uh, to the small supplement arsenal. Awesome. Yeah. B12, as you pointed out, is really kind of the only crucial one, at least long term, that you need to be conscious of. But yeah, to your point, this is not something you need to be worried about right away. Your body can just naturally stores actually a couple years of B12. So that's not something that's going to be an immediate concern. But you should do some research into some high quality B12 supplements. I highly recommend that you check out nutritionfacts.org. It's uh, Dr. Michael Greger's website, and he goes in detail about what you should be looking for in a B12 supplement, and he has a bunch of really great information on there. And yeah, the other one that people should kind of just be conscious of would be vitamin D. That's important. And you mentioned mushrooms are really kind of the only dietary source for vegans to consume uh, vitamin D. I do not personally like mushrooms and I don't, I don't actually know if I'm in the majority or, or minority of the vegan world in not liking mushrooms, but just getting vitamin D naturally from the sun is also a great move. But as you pointed out during the winter months, if I'm not getting out and getting sun, that's when I would start supplementing with vitamin D. So that can be a good one to also be conscious of. And some other ones that I, I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to get into this later, but some other ones that I always kind of keep top of mind would be iodine. That's something that I eat a little piece of seaweed pretty much every day to, to check off. Also selenium, I eat a daily Brazil nut and that checks that box. Brazil nuts are actually the highest source of selenium in the plant food kingdom. So that's a really great addition. 
And then also omega-3s. So preformed EPA and DHA, that's something that I include as well. And you can get it just in in a little uh, pill form with preformed EPA and DHA from algae. So that's something else that I will throw in there. But that's that's all I do for supplementation. And beyond that, I guess protein power counts as a supplement. Uh, so that's another thing that I would supplement my diet with. But beyond that, I really, I don't eat any supplements. Occasionally when I'm traveling, like right now we're actually in... In Utah, we actually have a really nice view right now, which is a a nice environment for recording a podcast. But we're in uh, St. George, Utah right now, and I'm traveling for a a little over two weeks. And generally when I do that, I'll bring a high-quality vegan multivitamin that I can just use to fill in any nutritional gaps when I'm uh, traveling. So that just helps me have a little bit of peace of mind, and I'm still doing my best to check off everything in whole food form, but also just having that extra little check. So that's totally not necessary. That's just something that I like to do. Yeah. I think like just to touch on the last point, like a multivitamin, if you're concerned of any nutrient deficiencies is almost, you can think of it like an insurance policy. So you just take it um, just to cover your bases. You might not need it, but it's again, a fairly cheap alternative and if you just want to be doubly sure if you're traveling if you're just not sure as you're going through this transition phase you want to make sure you hit all your micronutrients as well as your macronutrients um the multivitamin covers the micros very nicely so again just like an insurance policy mindset with it yeah awesome all right uh let's jump on to the next tip cool yeah so the fourth tip i have is I coined it Be The Light, and this one's a little bit less of a nutrition tip, but I still think it's important because I think this is why so many people fail in this transition to a vegan diet because they simply don't know how to properly navigate social uh, social situations. So, you know, family, friends often aren't going to be extremely receptive uh, of your new way of eating. And I don't know how, you know, your family felt with it or your friends or your social circle, but I know mine, they were very taken back. They were um, worried uh, as well. And um, that could cause some disruptions, right? So many times you'll get things, you know, like backhanded comments or digs taken at you for eating the way you are, even though you know it's the most beneficial way to eat for health, for the animals, for the planet, you know you're doing the right thing morally for yourself. And no matter how, t- how many times you say that, these comments can still surface. So it's, it's funny. I, I like to say that everyone suddenly becomes an expert nutritionist or like a philosopher yeah. once you start mentioning uh, that you're vegan, right? So you just need to know how to, to safely and comfortably navigate these situations. And I personally think that the best way to do that is to just, you know, be the light. So just that. And it's, it's such a... It's such a backward concept, but um, it's most times people are like, oh, wow, that's really incredible. That's vegan. Like, thank you for bringing that. And then it ends up, like I said, being eaten and and you maybe start planting some seeds here and there. So not only is it like helping you with being prepared and not feeling like you're going to go to a social gathering and be hungry all day, uh, but it can also start, you know, planting those little seeds amongst people that you know or friends or family um, that, hey, vegan food's not boring it's not tasteless. 
um, it can be extremely epic and delicious and indulgent. And uh, yeah, you can be that like example to them for that. And um, yeah, I find that's also like a good way to start swaying opinions in your favor as well. Yeah, me too. I think that's that's always been my kind of foundational approach to any form of vegan activism is just doing it all in my own life and just letting the results there speak for themselves. And if people want to ask me questions, I'm always here to have a conversation. I, I've had so many conversations in the gym or at the grocery store or in my friend circles with people who are just genuinely curious about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I'm always happy to have those conversations. So yeah, I think this, this concept is, is a, is really valuable. And I've found that to be a really effective form of spreading the vegan message in my own life. But when you're first getting started, as you touched on it, uh, it, it can be difficult when you're having those first discussions with your friends and your family members. And there, there's a, a good chance that you don't have any close friends or family members who are also vegan. I, at least from my experience talking with our clients or other, other vegans, they generally don't have any close vegan friends or, or family members. And I understand that can be, feel a little isolating, but you need to be confident in your decisions for your health, for your morals. And you also, I, it's your life to live and you need to be confident in going out and living it the way that you want to and, and feel is right for you. And if you are in a situation where somebody is being disrespectful of your, your lifestyle choices or telling you that you're not doing the right thing, um, I guess it's, Sometimes that is coming from a true place of love and concern. And I have had those conversations within my own family. So, so that's understandable and you definitely don't want to, um, I don't know. You have to, I, I don't think just pushing people like that away is the, is the right approach, but you do need to kind of handle that situation delicately. And I always found that the best approach is really just, if, if you can't really find common ground, even after you've explained, Hey, I've done a lot of research. I feel like this is what's best for my health or, Hey, I watched this documentary earthlings. I kind of got a glimpse into uh, factory farming and I no longer want to support this industry. And I've decided to, to make a stand in my own life for the morals that I care about. If you explain all that and they're still really kind of not receptive um, first of all, they don't need to agree with you, but they do need to respect your decision. And if they're not being respectful of your decision, it's okay to, to just say, Hey, this really matters to me. And you might not agree with what I'm doing, but I need you to just respect that this is something that matters to me. And if they're not willing to do that, then yeah, um, there have been certain relationships that I've had in my own life and I've heard other vegans kind of explaining a similar situation in their lives 
There are some times where you just need to distance yourself a little bit from someone if they're not willing to be respectful and just understand that you're living your own life. So as long as you're, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't think going around and, and telling people who eat, eat animal products, Hey, you're, you're a bad person or like, this is so bad for you. Why are you doing this? I really don't think that's an effective approach. And it's also, I think we need to understand that there needs to be a mutual level of, of, uh, kind of, I guess, respect there and understanding that they have not gone through the same journey that you have. And yes, you can, you can show them through your own actions as we talked about, what it, what your lifestyle is all about and why this matters to you and show them that it is possible to do this healthfully, but just jamming it down people's throats is not effective. And that's just going to exacerbate any problems that you have with family or, or friends who don't understand you. So yeah, just be, be confident in your own choices and be willing to just step up for yourself and say, Hey, this really matters to me. And if someone is not respectful of that, even after you say this really matters to me and I, I would like you to be respectful, even though you don't understand this, I do appreciate that you're concerned about my health or this or that, but I need you to know that I've done my research. I'm, this is a path that I feel like I need to walk and I just need you to understand that. So just being able to navigate relationships and conversations in that way is really important. Yeah. And you alluded to this already, Leif. I think one thing that's super helpful with this, like a takeaway you could, you could provide is just have like one line or one or two lines memorized that you can just pull out of your back pocket when the conversation maybe gets a little bit heated or a little bit, you're just uncomfortable with it. Um, you know, something like, Hey, I get it. I know what I'm doing is different to you, but I'm doing this for my health, my morals, my ethics. And I just appreciate you laying off the comments, like something really just generic that you can use at any point and any type of social situation, whether it's family, friends, whatever, is a really good way to just shut down a conversation that you probably know is not going anywhere. So having those one liners or, you know, just those thoughts in your head so you don't need to feel like you're backed into a corner and that you can almost so, so to speak, escape the conversation or at least change the conversation to something that's more um, helpful or beneficial uh, is a really good idea as well. And also keep in mind, it's okay to disagree with other people. I I don't know that I have any friends who I completely agree with on every single topic. <laughs> like there are, there are always going to be things that we might not see eye to eye on, but we have a bunch of other shared connections and just like, Hey, okay, this particular topic let's, let's actually not talk about this or, Hey, let's just agree to respect each other's point of views here. And just like, let's focus on this other stuff that we really enjoy doing together or something like you don't, it doesn't need to become a, a point that drives any, anybody out of your life necessarily, unless they're being disrespectful, then I, I would generally distance myself from those people. But anyways, yeah, that's just a bunch of kind of how I, how I view those situations and how, how I've navigated it. So hopefully what Michael and I have been saying has been helpful to you.
All right, tip number five. Yeah, so tip number five relates a little bit to the the last point we just went over, and it's really just about being comfortable bringing your own food and dinners to events, at least at the beginning. Uh, oftentimes, you know, social gatherings, events won't have a ton of great vegan options for you, so come prepared. Um, and with this, you may even want to, you know, make something super epic that you know is just the most bomb vegan dish that you can create, even if it's not the healthiest vegan dish that you, that you could create. Um, and you, even if you don't eat it that often, but you're like, I know this is going to possibly sway some opinions and people will love this and they won't be able to take digs at me for bringing like my broccoli and hummus to a, a an event, right? I'm going to make this amazing lasagna or something like that. Um, you know, it can, you can even not even label it as vegan. Uh, you could just bring it to an event and be like, Hey, that's, I just made this cool lasagna or whatever it is. Um, and many people that I work with as well as other vegans that I know have told me they've done this and they've brought these really delicious foods to events and it's events that is not a full vegan event. So there are other dishes there that are not vegan and, they always come back with the same complaint that everyone ate the vegan food that they brought <laughs> and left everything else. And they, it's like funny, but frustrating because you're like, I, this is the only thing I'm willing to eat here and everyone else ate it. But so, you know, it's, it's like a good and a, a bad thing at the same time. I would argue more good. Um, but you gotta bring some extra, keep it in your bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Have a block of tofu or something that you can snack on. Yeah. Make sure no one else uh, has access to your, your backup food stash. Yeah, exactly. Right. So maybe make two dishes, uh, one for you, one for everyone else. But this is like so common in discussions I've had where people do bring, and it can even be like healthy, um, and delicious vegan food and people gravitate toward, they try it and, you know, you'll always get those people that are, try it and you tell them it's vegan. They're like, oh, I can't believe I just ate that. And it's, it's such <laughs> a it's such a backward concept. But um, it's most times people are like, oh, wow, that's really incredible. That's vegan. Like, thank you for bringing that. And then it ends up, like I said, being eaten and and you maybe start planting some seeds here and there. So not only is it like helping you with being prepared and not feeling like you're going to go to a social gathering and be hungry all day. Uh, but it can also start, you know, planting those little seeds amongst people that you know or friends or family um, that, hey, vegan food's not boring. It's not tasteless. Um, it can be extremely epic and delicious and indulgent. And uh, yeah, you can be that like example to them for that. And um, yeah, I find that's also like a good way to start swaying opinions in your favor as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic way of doing it. And I've done this a lot with mostly family gatherings, just bringing food dishes or now most of my immediate family, obviously my brother Anders, my sister Elke, our mom, we're all vegan. So when we go to family gatherings, we're just bringing vegan food and it's gotten to the point where other family members who aren't even vegan will also bring vegan dishes because they know we'll eat it and they have found different dishes that they really enjoy as well. So they will cook some vegan dishes. So it ends up being like lots of our family gatherings, even though it's pretty much, yeah, it's really just the four of us who are vegan at any kind of larger family gathering. We still have maybe a third of the food or half the food that's vegan because other people will make it and they're like, wow, actually this is really delicious. I'm going to make this next year for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And, and that's a really great way of spreading 
the just uh, spreading veganism with people and just opening people's minds. And I think it's, it's, it's really, it's really tempting to just want to go out and make everyone vegan, but realistically that's not going to happen. So what can we do to open people's minds a little bit or just swap out a meal a month or a meal a week or, or even an entire day of meals a week? How do we make these little baby steps to uh, improve the health of our friends and family while also reducing animal suffering and, uh, and helping our planet? How do we make these little steps? And it really comes down to just sharing meals with people, sharing recipes with people. We were just talking about when we first went vegan, I was eating raw tofu out of a package. You were eating canned lentils on greens. <laughs> like this is not stuff that you would bring to a, a dinner and anyone else is going to want to eat. And in fact, that would just reinforce the idea in people's minds that, ew, vegan is vegan food is gross. Yeah, please don't do that. So, so it's really important to find some of these delicious recipes. And if that is the first kind of main vegan dish that someone ever remembers eating, of course, they've eaten a bunch of vegan food. They just never thought of it in that way. But if this is kind of the first vegan dish that really stands out in their mind and they think, wow, that's actually delicious and that's better than the dish I brought to this meal or something, then that starts shifting perspectives in in little ways. And it's a it's a snowballing kind of compound effect in people's minds. So just giving them these little experiences is really powerful. Absolutely. Sweet. All right. Yeah, let's jump into the next tip. Awesome. Yeah. So tip number six is just being okay with your body going through some changes and to give it some time and some grace as it does so. So, you know, oftentimes when we change our diet, especially if it's more drastic, uh, our body will need that time to adapt. So, you know, if you think of it, we're essentially overhauling our gut microbiome, which again can kind of relate to the first point why like slower sometimes can be a little bit better um, as in, you know, slower being like keeping the same foods, but veganized versions. Um, so, you know, we're likely going to be adding as we go vegan, even with some of these more processed foods, um, adding a lot more fiber, water, nutrients, even just different uh, microbes that our body probably isn't overly used to, especially not getting it from like, um, like these highly processed foods like burgers, fries, and things like that. So you may notice some gas, bloating, changes in bathroom frequency or schedule, uh, changes in body composition uh, as well. Even if you're not overly like attempting that, um, you might notice just different um, different things. Like maybe, like I said, a little more bloating at certain times of the day. Maybe you lose a little weight. Um, so don't ju- jump ship if you, you know, have some bloating in the first week when you're transitioning. Your body literally just needs some time to adapt and adjust. And I always say that, you know, our bodies are adaptation machines and can even adapt to very unhealthy conditions and he- unhealthy eating habits. So, you know, if you're eating unhealthy food or if you're eating, you know, a, an omnivorous diet or the standard American diet for a long time, your body is likely adapted to that, not in a good way, uh, but just like, okay, well, I guess they're not going to do anything to change it. So I'm just going to like roll with the punches here. Um, So when you do start feeding a healthy food, 
it can almost seem like our body isn't happy with us at the start. And people, I've seen this happen like, oh, I, I'm super bloated when I started this vegan diet or I'm, you know, I'm a lot more gassy than usual. Um, but re- in the reality, it's just spent so long in this deprived state, deprived of certain nutrients perhaps, or microbiome is just not where it needs to be. Um, it isn't used to all this new and good stuff. So yeah, you know, give it some time and it will thank you in the end. You just need to be gracious uh, with that and know that your body is doing these changes in a good way. Um, and that, yeah, just don't don't jump ship if you find any kind of changes, especially in the first few weeks, even to a month or so, uh, because it will need that time to adapt, especially if you spend a long time eating more processed or unhealthy foods. It's also a process of figuring out what foods your body likes and what eating schedule makes sense for your body and your schedule. So yeah, just kind of being okay with experimenting, doing research and learning more about how your body works, what your body needs. That's part of the journey to better health. And even if you're not going vegan for your health, just going, going plant-based or going vegan and really focusing on how do I, how do I make this a long-term sustainable lifestyle? How do I really give my body the foods that it needs so I can not have any uh, major kind of gastrointestinal discomforts and I can fuel my body with the right micronutrients? Like this is a process and it took me years to figure out what was going to work for me. And there's a lot more research out there now, so you can probably learn a lot faster, but just, yeah, going out and actually do putting in that efforts is really important for your body and your health. So I highly recommend just being okay with understanding you're probably at some, at some point or points going to feel like you're not quite doing things the right way or the way that your body might need you to be doing them. And it's just a learning process. So be okay with that. Totally. Yeah. And just like something you mentioned, um, it's, it's a very front loaded process in many respects. So just understanding that, you know, it might take a little more work up front, but it's going to reap uh, tremendous benefits in the long run. And just knowing even uh, that there are, you know, literally thousands and thousands of plant foods, there's not one specific food you should be eating as a vegan. Like you don't need to eat kale if you're a vegan. It's, it's a great food. It's healthy food, um, but you don't need to eat it. You don't need to eat certain foods to can, quote unquote be vegan, right? You can experiment and try different things. And there are so many different types of eating even as a vegan. So you don't need to feel like you need to be like cornered or boxed in with with vegan food, especially this day and age. I mean, there's so much out there. Um healthy, unhealthy options of everything. So yeah, just kind of experiment with things, understand it might take a bit of a learning process. You are essentially unlearning years and years and years of what you were taught. Um, so you're trying to reframe that and re um, kind of reevaluate a lot of food choices. So it will take time. It's front loaded, but it gets tremendously easier as you keep doing it. Yeah. It's just like working out. You shouldn't expect to go into the gym for the first time and be able to 
deadlift perfectly or squat with perfect form or be able to throw around hundreds of pounds or feel really confident in the gym. You can't expect any of that stuff to happen. It's a process and you need to go through the steps of actually learning what your body needs and how to do this the right way for you. So that's really important. And also I, I only eat a fraction of the plant foods that you would find in a grocery store. And I have kind of honed that my kind of food palette over time based on what foods are, I'm trying to check a bunch of different categories. What foods are uh, kind of hit my micronutrient needs? So how am I getting in all of my nutrition, my vitamins and minerals? How am I making sure that I'm not experiencing any kind of serious uh, bloating or gas or anything like that. And there are some foods that affect me quite a lot that I found. And I know those are foods other people really love and they don't experience any effect from those. So it's just something that you're going to need to figure out over time. And just because certain vegetables are in the grocery store doesn't mean you need to be able to consume them or want to consume them. Like I said, I don't, I don't like mushrooms. I know it's not a vegetable, but I, there are a bunch of plant foods that I'm not crazy about and others that make me feel gassy or make me feel bloated or something. And I won't eat those either. So again, it's just a learning process and you need to be okay with going through that learning process and committing to it. And don't expect to, to just knock it right out of the park on day one. 100%. All right, number seven. Number seven, and we we actually alluded to this one a little bit earlier, um, but it's experimenting with and learning how to track nutrition, um, at least at the beginning. You know, so as we touched on, uh, plant food is much more voluminous than um, like the animal based counterparts, so also much less calorically dense. Um, so than these than these processed foods. So remember that you know, as you're overhauling your diet. Uh, when you go vegan, or even if you're making slower, more incremental changes, uh, learning how to cook new foods, learning how much to eat, when when to eat, like meal timing, what feels good for you, et cetera, et cetera, um, you would benefit greatly from learning just how to track that because uh, where there's so much changing in terms of like how much how much you're eating in terms of volume, also, how much is changing in terms of the calories that you're actually taking in, which is likely going to be a little less than you're used to. Um, understanding how to track is really important because not only does it show you, um, you know, how many calories you're getting, what your protein, carbohydrates, fat intake looks like, but you can also get a lot of good insight on micronutrient intake as well, which can be really helpful, especially if you notice, you know, after a few months of doing this, and you get used to tracking and you want to check trends um, in, say, your micronutrient profile, and you might see, oh, I'm actually pretty low in this one consistently. Maybe I should incorporate a different food that can get me there. Um, so, yeah, if you start feeling like you're missing something or you start, you notice any sharp changes in like energy levels, body composition, things like this, the tracking is a really good way to, even if you don't care so much right now about changing your body composition by tracking at least being able to have that diary and like be able to look back and see, oh, I'm actually a little bit low in this one. There are a lot of cool free apps that you can use um, that are very easy to use, user-friendly, uh, and they provide a lot of good information just for, and they're pretty, like I said, they're simple. You can like scan barcodes, you can type foods in, you can search foods. 
Uh, it Again, it's a bit of a learning curve at the start, but so tremendously beneficial as you make this transition and you're changing your entire palate. What's your favorite tracking app that you recommend for nutrition? I, th- I use Chronometer. Yeah, that's lot. my favorite too. Yeah, I've experiment, uh, experimented with uh, my fitness pal as well. I just found it didn't give as much info on micronutrient density. Um, I just found the database to be a little bit wonky sometimes in my fitness pal. Chronometer seems to be a little bit more verified across the board in terms of like, it's more difficult to get entries inputted into chronometer from just like random people. So I found that to be a little bit more um, simple to use. And there's also some cool functionality that that chronometer provides. Like you can put in a lot of your metrics, you can put in some goals and things like that too. I'm sure my fitness pal probably has the same thing implemented, but I just found to be more drawn to the interface, the functionality of chronometer and again it's it makes it super simple and you can always again like youtube or google how to use any of these tools and get a really good um good level of insight from that yeah and tracking does not need to take a long time like maybe when you're first getting started it's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve but once you get into the groove of it you should be able to track your food in maybe 10 minutes a day um so just yeah that's again that is a really helpful part of the transition process is just being sure that you are meeting your body's calorie needs, making sure you're consuming enough protein if you have serious fitness goals, and that will help you to feel recharged and recovered and continue progressing with your strength and muscle building if those are your goals. And then also just generally making sure that you're consuming enough micronutrients to maintain optimal health. So Yeah. Checking all those boxes with a 10 minute per day commitment is a huge bonus. And that's something that will really set you up for long-term success. Yeah. And the cool thing with, with that is like, we are generally creatures of habit. So like if you eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch most days, or even if you cycle between two or three options, which I think most people probably do, we're not like always changing what we eat maybe for dinners. uh, But for the most part, like if you track for a week, you're probably going to get a really good insight into what the last, you know, um, or maybe the next year of your life looks like, or the last year if you've been e- eating vegan for a while. So you don't need to think this is like a super long-term commitment unless you want it to be. Uh, I find there's a lot of joy and just, um, I guess, more comfort in tracking at certain times, especially if you have specific fitness goals. Uh, but I've transitioned almost primarily to intuitive eating. I did track it. Well, that's a lie. At the beginning, I didn't know how to track. I didn't know what that even meant. Um, As I found more and more information on like veganism and fitness, I found that it was extremely helpful, but then have since transitioned to more intuitive eating. Uh, But it does require learning that process, learning what fuels your body, what you need to build muscle, increase performance, um, just feel good all around. So front loading it a little bit at the beginning, learning how to use some of these apps could be a really beneficial tool for you. Yeah, that's a great point. When I say uh, just a 10 minute commitment per day, I don't mean every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) Like that's not necessary. I'm talking about for maybe a few weeks or even a few months, depending on how your body feels and depending on how many changes you need to be making to set up the right kind of diet. But yeah, I when I'm home, I will pretty much eat the exact same thing every day. And I know not everyone there are some exceptions. Like sometimes I'll make 
pizza on Friday night or uh, I'll change it up every once in a while or, or eat something that I'm craving and just figure out how to make a healthier version and kind of work it into a nutrition plan that aligns with my goals. But yeah, I'm very much just focusing on intuitive eating. And that's, that's the approach that I've been taking now for years. I haven't tracked really my nutrition at all in over three years at this point. So yeah, this is not something that you need to do long-term, but when you're making that transition, being sure that you are setting yourself up for success by generally tracking what you are doing and making adjustments from that data is a really helpful approach. Totally. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump to number eight. Yeah. So the the final tip I have for you guys today is, you know, just realize that you don't have to miss out on your favorite foods as a vegan. Uh, we live in a world where everything is veganized now, like literally everything. Um, and if it isn't, you can't find it already pre-made for you in a nice, neat package in the in the superstore or the grocery store. You can find a recipe for it. So Google is a tremendous tool. Uh, literally, you just have to type in vegan blank recipe and you'll get something like there's I've never run into an issue where I've done that and not been able to find a recipe for something. So whatever is on your mind, uh, whatever you enjoy eating, you can either find it in stores. And I think I just know now there's so many more like every day. It seems like there are more and more options coming to the to the shelves. Um, so if you can't find it there, I mean, you could always um, like I mentioned, a recipe or even I know a lot of people do online grocery shopping as well, and you can like find anything, get it shipped from anywhere uh, in the world. So, yeah, you will find something if you if you are nervous about transitioning because you're afraid that you had to give up X, Y, or Z. Just literally, you can Google a vegan recipe uh, version of that, and you will find it. And again, like check different stores. Everything it's growing so quickly that yeah, I've seen like within, I mean, I've been vegan for five years. Um, and I just like looking at what was available five years ago to now, it's absolutely insane. So like, I can just imagine the next like five years, what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, a few, few tips that I would have to follow up with that. One is just finding a, a small kind of bunch of recipes that you really love and just like experimenting, figuring out what these kind of go-to recipes are, and then just creating kind of an arsenal of, let's say half a dozen or maybe 10, a dozen, whatever recipes that you can pull out for family gatherings or recipes that you're making for yourself on a week to week basis. And just really make sure that you have some of those really great go-to recipes that align with your health and fitness goals. And there are things that you truly enjoy. And also understand that you can make vegan versions of your previous favorite omnivorous recipes that actually taste better than those original recipes. This is something that I did not believe when I first went vegan, but I can confidently say that every single one of my previous kind of favorite foods that I have veganized now tastes much better. So some favorites are like pizza or fajitas, um, a bunch of different ones, but those were, were two standouts. I have made much better vegan versions than I ever ate when I was an omnivore. And, and I've heard this from a lot of vegans. So this is definitely something that's possible. And, um, I don't know, we've, we've come a long way from 
canned lentils and and tofu out of a package <laughs> but we have it's true and it's i and i'm in the same boat like i look at things i used to eat uh like pictures of food that or just even remembering food that i used to eat when i was a teenager into my early 20s and i'm like that was so freaking boring like it was so late it was like basically the whole plate was like brown it was like one color there's no color no diversity um and now i look at my plates and it's like every color of the rainbow there and you get so many different flavor profiles so many different textures um so yeah like you can not only make great vegan versions of the same food that you love but as you get more and more experienced you can grow your palate and start incorporating these like amazing buddha bowls and pizza that doesn't just have you know it's not just a cheese and pepperoni pizza it's like this massive pizza that's filled with like veggies and whatever you want on there so yeah i totally agree like the vegan version the vegan versions of the things that I used to eat are a million times better than than what I was eating before. Yeah, and I have a simple explanation for this. If you look at any um, animal food, so let's uh, let's take chicken breast for example. If you take chicken breast, you buy it at a grocery store and you grill it without adding any plant foods, in other words, spices or minerals like salt or anything. If you don't add anything to it and you just have the actual animal product that so many omnivores say that they really love the taste of and you just eat it plain, you're not going to enjoy it. The only thing that truly adds taste to these different dishes are plants. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's a plants for the win. (laughs) Plants always win when it comes to taste, when it comes to health, when it comes to uh, the animals, plants always win. So, all right. Yeah. Do you have any other kind of last last thoughts before we wrap up yeah for sure just a, a quick i guess uh, a quick little summary you know just if you're transitioning or you're thinking about transitioning or if you're a new vegan or even if you're struggling with any of this stuff like just realize that transitioning to a fully vegan diet does not have to be a daunting task uh, and actually it can be super fun if you do it the right way if done correctly it will you know require change and maybe some learning but change is a good thing especially when it impacts your health uh, helps you perform better sleep better see tremendous um, beneficial kind of beneficial uh, changes in your health so uh, you're also helping the planet the animals um, you're aligning your actions more so with your morals and your ethics so i mean it's it might seem like it's a bit front-loaded in terms of the work you have to do But it can be really fun to start experimenting and even just on the food aspect alone, like seeing like, again, what I used to eat compared to now, I'm so much more excited about food now than I was. I still like I view it as fuel for what I want to accomplish in a more physical sense. But I also just love to eat. I love flavor. I love food. So, um, yeah, I look more forward to food now and like going out to restaurants and trying new vegan foods than I ever did as like an omnivore, just kind of living the basic uh standard american diet lifestyle so yeah have fun with it ask questions um go to resources that you trust and um do some research and uh it can be a really fun experience yeah i love that you're wrapping up with this because that process while maybe a little daunting at the beginning or you might feel like there's uh some work you need to do and some research you need to do which is is probably true this is 
the most incredible decision I've ever made for my health, for my morals, for just feeling aligned with, with the kind of person I want to be. And this is such a rewarding journey that you maybe are just embarking on for the first time or starting to um, think of embarking on, or maybe you've been on this journey for a while and you're still kind of finding your groove. This is such a rewarding process and, and just continuing to, to learn and grow through this is, is really rewarding. And I've, I've loved this journey, uh, in my own life. I could not agree more easily. One of the best decisions of my life. Awesome. All right, Coach Michael, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. And I think we're going to help a lot of people with this episode. So hope that you all enjoyed listening and we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. To get access to some of our best content for free, head over to theveganjim.com. We've got tons of articles and guides to help you burn stubborn body fat, build lean muscle, and supercharge your health. You can even use our vegan nutrition calculator for free to figure out how much protein, calories, and micronutrients your body needs. Get started right now at theveganjim.com.